is Bloomberg Surveillance. We have to get back to a point where we understand and believe that interest rates going up is actually good for the economy and good for the stock market. Over long periods of time, these smaller banks can and do deliver for their shareholders if they're managed well. You can get a better portfolio if you find a lot of attractive, idiosyncratic opportunities, and we think this is a pretty good environment for that. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning, everyone. Bloomberg Surveillance, we welcome all of you across this nation. Bloomberg 1200 Boston, 99.1 FM Washington, Bloomberg 960, good early morning in the Bay in San Francisco and 1130 here in New York. Good morning. What a baseball game last night. It was as if it was the edge of the playoffs into the World Series. The Mets, the Nationals. Mike, I so much wanted to be there. I just couldn't get out we to City gone. Field. We should have gone. Four. Noah Syndergaard. Ten strikeouts, seven shutout. Nine innings. hits total. Besting Max Scherzer, who uh, yeah. uh, you know struck out 20 in his last game. And just, just, you know, classic baseball in May. That is very cool. Congratulations to the Mets and Nationals for that display of it's how be it's... a great year, uh, the two of them, as they yeah. play out through the season. Just, just congratulations. It's like the Yankees and Red Sox used to be. It, it, with the emphasis on the word used to be. Bloomberg Surveillance this morning, always brought to you by Cone Resnick, Accounting Tax Advisory, and the affordable housing industry. Your business needs transformative advice from the industry-leading experts. At Cone Resnick, find out why at ConeResnick.com. C-O-H-N-R-E-Z-N-I-C-K. Sterling advances a poll out saying they will remain. Up they go. I don't want to make too big a deal about it. I mean, it's up, but uh, not, you know, not through any resistance points that I would really greet. Stephen Macklow-Smith is head of European Equity Review and Strategy for J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Um, he has looked at the back and the forth. Um, wonderful to have you on the show. Can uh, you be confident about being in equities now with all the distractions, whether it's Mets Nationals baseball or it's Draghi or it's the Queen's speech or they had to do that thing at Manchester United where everybody had to leave the stadium? Can I be confident in my equity strategy? Uh, I think you can be. Um, the problem we've got in the first half of the year here in Europe is the, um, the, 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 the political events that are masking the improvement in the fundamentals. Domestic European growth is picking up nicely. Credit is picking up nicely. But the shadow being cast by the referendum um, means that people are they are not looking at the fundamentals yet. You mentioned sterling and its move today. We think that the, the um, move in the sterling euro injury is a better measure of the likely outcome of the referendum than the opinion polls are. Um, sterling's down by about 11, 12 percent against the euro since November, which is really to us risk premium being built in ahead of the referendum because it's not justified by any movement in carry. Um, but I think that, you know, this bounce that you're seeing today, uh, that is largely about a view that the Leave camp um, looks as if they are um, uh, slightly ceding some ground here to the Remain camp. You know, I say this, Mike, within the, you know, the emotion and the headlines and the media frenzy. And, Stephen, I noticed Nestle is a, is a proxy of Europe, is in a horrific bear market down 4.8% from its peak in June of last year. Well, I mean, you know, Nestle is, is, is hardly a European um, stock. I mean, it, it is such an international company. 
Uh, it's a Swiss-based stock with less than one percent of its sales in in Switzerland. It's more of a of, of, an, of a, um, a weather vane for determining what consumer sentiment is doing worldwide. Um, I think the you know the interesting point about Nestle is that this is a, country, a company that's based in a strong currency country, so they have to compete on quality rather than price, and that's exactly what they've successfully done. The margins have been really impressive. You mentioned earlier um, that uh, the, the politics has masked an improvement in the fundamentals. Uh, the fundamentals for so long in Europe were, in, uh, were, were focused on austerity and the impact that then had on uh, the economies of uh, the European countries. Is that changing now? Are, are we starting to see uh, government not take away from growth? Yes. That's exactly what you're saying. And I think, you know, when people talk about about austerity and the fiscal measures that were taken, there's this notion that austerity was just about a sort of a punishment regime. It wasn't. It was about trying to improve the efficiency of public finances in, in some countries where that, that had got out of control. You know, the great dividend that membership, the, the membership within the euro gave to some peripheral countries was a dramatic fall in their cost of capital. Um, and, you know, the counterweight to that needed to be control of government expenditure. And where that, that failed to be the case, you know, a corrective was applied by the market with an increase in spreads against core eurozone bonds. That's now happened. I mean, we're very unlikely to see a big expansion in government expenditure, partly because government finances are, you know, they, they're policed by the, the, the stability pact. But I do expect that um, the end to a contraction in government coupled with an improvement in credit is leading to an improvement in domestic demand. And you're seeing that, evidence of that, in places like Spain and Italy where, you know, uh, in Italy, for instance, GDP growth rates are fairly pedestrian, but consumer confidence is at a 16-year high. How do you explain that? Uh, I would say that it's all about it's all about reform. Um, so the reforms that are being put in place within Italy, as an example, are designed to make Italy a more competitive country. You know, Italy, as, a, as an economy, I think gets a bad press. There are sections of the Italian economy that are immensely successful. You know, there are um, sections of, of you know high-quality engineering. Uh, they're extremely competitive, luxury goods. Um, if you look at their market share of world exports, it's actually unchanged at number four over the last 10, 20 years, which is extraordinary because, of course, emerging markets have taken a much bigger share. So almost everybody's seen their market share contract, but Italy hasn't. It's been held back by a kind of ineffective system of government and also by a banking sector that's not been really fit for purpose. And both of those things are being changed by the Renzi government. So if, uh, if the outlook is improving, is the outlook for companies, for equities and, uh, and, and uh, stock appreciation improving uh, on a wholesale basis? Well, look, you know, we're, we're active managers and love being active managers because we think they're great opportunities. You know, Europe is a very heterogeneous stock market. You know, it doesn't all march to the beat of the same drum. More or less, more mm. than whatever's going on in the world, you can find an area of European stocks to invest in that's going to benefit from that. And from our point of view in our funds, we've been largely tilted towards domestic European growth and away from global growth and emerging markets. And that's worked pretty well. It didn't work in the first quarter, but it's worked pretty well for most of the last well, two years. Well, then where are, you on, where are you on the European multinationals, the bigger visible countries, companies that Americans know? Uh, it really depends what, what industry they're in. You know, um, a lot of those names would be uh, consumer defense stocks. You know, you've mentioned Nestle. Um, from our point of view, their exposure to emerging markets has been an issue. Um, and also the fact that the dollar's been weakening in the last six to nine months on a trade-rated basis, that's also an issue because from a translation point of view, they don't win. 
But, you know, where we're seeing real opportunities is in some of the small and mid-caps within Europe, which are doing extremely well as the domestic economy recovers. Yeah. What about dividend growth? I mean, if I look at Siemens, and I just, again, I'm, I'm, I'm just using them as a visible proxy. Are you seeing the board emphasis on double-digit dividend growth or high single-digit dividend growth like we see in the United States? Um, I think that, that you know, the, the outlook for dividend growth overall in the market is, is pretty unexciting this year, but that's partly because you've got so much pressure on dividend payouts in the material sector, mining materials, and in energy, yeah. you know, other other sectors of the economy, you know, you're, you're seeing better news on dividends. Mm-hmm. And let's not forget that there's one big area of the market where dividends have been under huge pressure in the last four or five yeah. years, and that's banks. And as banks come to the end of the, 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 the restructuring process that they were involved in through the stress tests, more and more of them are going back to paying well, dividends, so there's a new source of dividend income now. You're reading my script here. That's right where I wanted to go. I don't want to get you in trouble with Mr. Diamond uh, this morning, but, but, but Stephen, I look at a chart. I just put this out, folks, on Bloomberg Radio Plus, uh, the, the Deutsche Bank chart. Um, these are ugly charts. The last 10 days of trading for some of these beleaguered banks, big, small, whatever, in Europe, are really sobering. Do you assume it's a value trap in European banking breaks to new lows? Or is this actually the ultimate buy-the-bid moment? You have to look at all these stocks on, on the basis of their own merit. So you take Deutsche Bank as an example. Deutsche Bank is not a large German retail bank. It's a very large international investment bank. Um, so, you know, from that point of view, you'd, you'd look at issues that they had in their um, thick business, fixed income currency trading business mm-hmm. in the first quarter, um, issues they've got with the company structure. There's been rumors that they might make uh, rather more wholesale changes than, than, than they've so far indicated. Right. Um, and, you know, they had to have a, a rights issue of yeah. 15, 16 months ago to raise 8.5 billion euros. Yeah. It's not clear totally that the, that, uh, right. that the, the fundraising um, phases of Netherlands, but if you look for a domestic franchise, which is much more based on savings and mortgages, a lot of those banks are doing pretty well. Well, we're going to come back here. Stephen, just one quick question, Stephen Macklesmith. Um, is J.P. Morgan going to buy Deutsche Bank? <laughs> oh, I just that wanted really to be sure to, our listeners. Really would have to ask Mr. Diamond. Uh, well, he's listening right now, no doubt, uh, moving around Manhattan. We will come back with Stephen Macklow Smith if they don't cut the cord uh, in London. He is with J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Um, uh, really, really quite good on uh, an opinion of sectors and such within uh, Europe. I like the idea, Mike, of heterogeneous, that there's always an opportunity out there. Well, if you're an active mm-hmm. manager, you better hope so. You better hope there's something there, and certainly uh, it is there. A weaker euro this morning, 112.83, uh, as we see dollar strength, not quite like what we saw earlier, but there it is. Brent, 49.09, the barrel. Check in with Michael Barr and get the latest world and national headlines. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Bernie Sanders won the Democratic primary in Oregon. Frontrunner Hillary Clinton claimed victory in Kentucky. In a razor-thin contest, Clinton is just 92 delegates shy of winning the Democratic presidential nomination outright, including superdelegates. Donald Trump's win in the Republican primary in Oregon puts him just 77 delegates shy of winning the nomination. Human Rights Watch says a Libyan city under Islamic State group control is facing the same pattern of atrocities as similar areas in Iraq and Syria. Abuses include beheadings, crucifixions, and floggings in the city of Sirte. A 6.7 earthquake has hit Ecuador near the Pacific coast. The aftershock follows a devastating quake last month. 
Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists. Yeah. More than 150 news bureaus around the world. I'm Michael Bush. Michael, I'm glad you put the earthquake in there. I looked at it carefully on the USGS maps. I'm going to call it, and then the leadership of Ecuador has said it's it's a quiet but sobering earthquake this morning. Not a, a big deal, but nevertheless, there it is. 6.7. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. The news update brought to you by Mercedes-Benz. Outstanding offers are in full bloom at your Mercedes-Benz Tri-State dealers. Take advantage of limited-time lease and finance programs on select models this spring season. Visit MBUSA.com for details today. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and U.S. stock index futures are extending declines this morning. Let's go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. Here's Bill Maloney. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Karen. That's right. U.S. futures are under pressure. And look for retail weakness again as Target falls 8% pre-market. Dow futures currently lower by 38 points. SPs drop 4. And NASDAQ futures decline by 6. The U.S. 10 yield at 1.78%. On the U.S. economic front at 10.30, energy inventories. And at 2 p.m., FOMC minutes. Regarding earnings this morning, Staples beat. Lowe's boosted your adjusted EPS views. Steris EPS missed. And Target Q2 adjusted EPS view missed estimates. In other news, Anderson's rejected unsolicited offer from HC2. Finally, some of your Wall Street upgrades and downgrades. ExxonMobil raised to buy over at Argus. Discovery Communications cut to sell at Citigroup. Children's Place and Tessa both raised to buy over at Goldman Sachs. And Vip Shop cut to neutral over at J.P. Morgan. Live from the first of Breaking News Desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? Thanks, Bill. To hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg type Squawk Go on your terminal, that's S-Q-U-A-W-K Go. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, uh, thanks so much. Bloomberg Surveillance this morning brought you by Invesco. Have you considered all of your investment alternatives, non-traditional asset classes, and strategies may help you achieve your goals? Find out more at Invesco.com slash alternatives. Stephen Smith with us with J.P. Morgan. Stephen, I have never looked... At the Borsa Italiana, and I guess it's the FTSE MIB index, the Italian stock market. And I, and I say this within the backdrop of the interesting macroeconomics and frankly cultural economics of Italy. Is Italy the mother of all opportunities in Europe right now? I think if the Renzi government succeeds in pushing through the reforms that it's trying to do, then you could see um, a relatively dramatic change in the direction of the Italian economy over the next 10 to 20 years. See, if you look back over the last 10 to 20 years, they've suffered from extremely low levels of GDP growth. But a lot's been holding them back, and one of those things is the sheer quantity of, of non-performing loans in their banking sector. For the first time, they, they're putting together a package which has a realistic chance of starting yeah. to address some of those shortcomings. And, you know, at the same time, the ECB is, is, is juicing the credit channel and trying to ensure that, 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 that there's credit growth. The 10-year track record, this is in euros, folks, is a negative 3% per year, negative 3.1% per year. That's enjoying dividend uh, reinvestment. Without those dividends, it's negative 6.6% uh, per year. When you look at an Italy as a Renzi opportunity, what sector do you look at to avoid that malaise of 10 years? 
Well, the further you go down the market cap scale, it's fair to say that the more interesting companies you find. So we can find, and I was talking earlier about opportunities in small and mid caps, we can see plenty of those in Italy. The, the overall index is, is slightly strange in its constitution because it's got a big oil company in there, it's got a big utility in there, it's got a couple of big banks, it's got a big insurance company, um, but you don't get much exposure to um, the um, engineering and industrial right. strength that you can see <clears> in some of the small and mid caps, not through the headline index. That sounds good to be an active manager. He's been go down the market cap scale and find the attractive opportunities. Yeah, Mike, I'm, in, I'm invested in the Italian Negroni Fund. Um, that would be David Campari Milano would be my <laughs> core my core holding. Well, I'm wondering what, what, where the opportunity is uh, in Italy uh, in terms of sectors. We keep hearing that, you know, European banks are uh, toast and uh, the worst of the lot are the Italians. Yeah, I mean, the, the, there are big issues within the Italian banking sector, but there have been for you know a very considerable period of time. Um, but those issues are now in the process of being addressed. So you have two. Uh, well, if I give you three specific measures, one is the uh, guarantee scheme to try and close the gap between the valuation and NPLs on bank balance sheets and the secondary market. Um, the second is the Atlante Fund that's been put together in order to recapitalize banks and buy NPLs. And the third is an acceleration of the bankruptcy process so that you know, it's easier to recover collateral on uh, calling loans and recover collateral on them. You know, if those measures succeed in the way that they're designed to, um, it would remove a big impediment to growth within Italy itself. Mike, just so you know, I'm doing my proper securities analysis. I saw the movie Almost Famous for the 14th time again this weekend, and I'm pleased to tell you that Kate Hudson is leading the David Campari calendar for 2016, moving Campari forward. That's my securities analysis for this morning, Kate Hudson. Uh, with uh, high returns often comes high risk. I'm just wondering if any of the periphery countries like Greece that uh, have been in the news so much present any investment opportunities that, that you would uh, in good conscience undertake at this point. Um, to be honest, personally, we're, we're not yet ready to, to go back to Greece. Again, there, you know, I think those problems are in the process of being, of being sorted out. Um, I think that you know, things in, in, in Greece can pr- proceed fairly positively over the next year or two years, given the, right. the scale of the reforms that have been implemented. You know, the Greeks have been through a really, really tough and difficult time. But if you look at the flip side of the coin, um, the grants that they get in from the European Union through the solidarity programs to, to, to fund infrastructure, right. they've been getting about 5 billion euros a year into a 180 billion euro GDP economy. Um, and if the Juncker plan comes off, that 5 billion is going to increase. How does that shift if, if Madame Lagarde gets her restructuring of Greece debt out to 2040? Um, it depends what kind of restructuring you're, you're, you're looking for. Um, Greek debt has, in a sense, already been somewhat restructured because the, the shape of the loans that they get from, from the Eurogroup are interest-free for the first five years, and it means that their debt payments to GDP are about the same level as a country like France rather than being up at 4% of GDP yeah. as they are in a country like Portugal. Thank you so much, Stephen Macklow-Smith, uh, European Equity Strategy, J.P. Morgan Asset Manager. That was just brilliant. Mike, that was a great primer. And, and, you know, some of the mixture there of actually trying to place capital, yeah, not, not to get run over. And it's uh, it's different in Europe because you're dealing with uh, uh, governments on top of it, uh, yeah. as opposed to the United States where it's just, you know, states and a company sells business, does business across state lines. Yeah. We are getting uh, more and more depressed in the futures market here um, as the morning goes on. I'm not sure why the earnings reports that I have seen have been better 
than forecasts, which is not unusual these well, days. But you know. I, I think your point is well taken, and not that I have it in front of me, but the the um, stochastic, abrupt, and brutal moves within lethargy, not so much hour to hour, but every three days this way, that way, it's become a bit jarring in the quiet. Yeah. Is how I would put it. In search of economic data and maybe in search of headlines, Dudley and Fisher speaking today, Bloomberg, of course, with our world quality headlines on what they say. Coming up, the With All Due Respect highlight brought to you by Land Rover. If it's in your nature to cast off the everyday and seek adventure, the Discovery Sport was built to help your search. Visit LandRoverTriState.com or call 1-800-FIND-4WD for details. Land Rover, above and beyond. 